Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I'm Listening Daily, brought to you by Genomind. Here's Michael Phelps on seeking help for mental problems. You know, I think for me in, in 2014, when I found myself in that dark, dark place where, you know, I, necess- I I didn't want to be alive in those four days when I was in my room by myself, not wanting to talk to anybody, not eating anything, not moving for three or four days. You know, for me, after sitting there and thinking about everything, I, I wanted to find a different way. I wanted to find a different answer. Um, I was sick and tired of feeling how I felt and just that opportunity of sharpening up your tools. You know, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And that's why I that, that's why I started to seek help. And, and, and that's when I checked myself into a treatment center. Uh, and, and since then, I've I've been working with a therapist. I'm listening is brought to you by Genomind, the Genomind mental health map, the new expert starting point for your mental health. Visit mentalhealthmap.com to learn more and order your mental health map DNA test kit today. That's mentalhealthmap.com. Start your day with a daily tip featuring Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on The Bet. Ooh, that reminds me of a new segment we can do is Chelsea's Creative Corner. And what you do is we we put the camera on you. You're doing something like, I don't know, knitting. Uh, I don't know how to knit. Like, what am I, 75? I don't have time to knit. Sports to watch, Jenks. The daily tip, morning, 6 to 9 Eastern from The BetQL Network, America's home for wagertainment. The best players in the league perform even better with a great assist. And using BetQL to help take your sports betting to the next level, it's an MVP move. BetQL analyzes every bet from every game to find you the most profitable opportunities. Sometimes a spread is off by a few points or a total is way too high or low. BetQL shows you where the real value is so you can make smarter bets and cash in more consistently. All the bets from today's games are clearly listed and ranked on a scale of one to five stars. Those five-star bets give you the best chance to win and have shown real proven results. Get insights on sides, totals, player props, and more combined with articles from BetQL's team of wagering experts. BetQL has you covered for pro and college games, football, basketball, baseball, and even hockey and soccer. It's time to get better at betting with BetQL. Visit BetQL.com and use promo code BET for 20% off. That's 20% off with promo code BET at BetQL.com. Hey guys, it's Michael Jenkins from the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. It's time for two truths and a lie. One, I once shot a pilot for a very, very early edition of American Idol. Two, actress Renee Russo told me she wants to milk cows and then I turned her on. Or three, I was invited to spend the weekend with Maggie McConaughey at an LSU Tigers game. The lie? It's number one, American Idol. The others? Both true. Have a laugh and get some insight. That's what we call wagertainment. Listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM every weekday morning from 6 to 9 Eastern, only on BetQL. 
Welcome back to the Countdown 2 with Grant Paulson and Nick Ashu on the BetQL Network. And we're counting you down to week three of college football and week two of the NFL. You can watch us on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash BetQL, the Odyssey app. You can watch us, listen to us, all of those things, plus YouTube. We're on CBS Sports Radio. We're, of course, on the BetQL network. Grant, we are all over the place with this. That's one of the beauties of this, too, now, is there's a thousand ways to watch and listen to this show as we launch this and get off with it. And a ton of things going on, too, because with college football in full swing and with the NFL going on right now, and as things go on, it won't just be football, too. I mean, you and I in the show, we're going to get into if there's big fights, uh, the baseball playoffs. You know I love the NBA, so there's going to be plenty of bets that I'm going to want to talk about when it comes to the NBA as well. So there is more than enough for us to cover on the show as time goes on. Absolutely, and I think we balance each other out well because there are certain things that – you may not love that I do and vice versa, which is nice. We know each other from our personal lives. We both have well-manicured beards. You're uh, a little this bit, true. I would say, more into making sure that your hair looks good at all times than I am. But otherwise, very <laughs> similar. Uh, looking forward to the show. And This really is just a countdown to me plopping my portly self on my couch and eating chips and dip all day and watching football. That's what this show should be called. Countdown to Grant sitting down and not getting up for several hours because it's nice. fall. It's the weekend. And that's what you do. Listen, in the summer, I love sunny days. But the minute we get to this time of year, I'm like, ooh, good. It's going to rain all weekend. That means that I can sit inside and watch football and not have to do anything else. Uh, and this I have is a true story. Yeah. Last yeah. week, yeah. we're sitting there watching football, and I start laughing. And I'm like, I just love football. And I look over at my wife. <laughs> well, we well, pause, pause, e- pause. Wait, you just, you just started laughing out of the blue just and just decided to love football. You had just like giggling like a kid. It was the Thursday night game, Cowboys Bucks. It's back. There's people in the stadium. I'm just chuckling. And I looked over at my wife, who's sitting next to me on the couch, and I said, <laughs> I just love football. It was like the scene out of, you know, like knocked up where uh, Paul yes. Rudd's like, because we like breakfast so much. And so my <laughs> wife looked at me and just shook her head, like, I, I hate everything about you, and I can't believe I'm in this situation. But I bring this up to tell you. This is it's I'm tough t- I'm for me. I'm still picturing you doing this. I'm picturing you <laughs> just sitting on the couch out of the blue and just looking at your wife, and she's expecting you to go, I love you so much, honey, but you're, yeah. I love football. I need to work on that first part and, and maybe, tell her that maybe. more because I, I do vocalize my love for football quite frequently in our relationship. But <laughs> there, there's just the, the tough thing about this time of year, the guilt constantly of how bad of a, a father I am because it's, like, I just want to sit there on Saturdays and Sundays and watch football all day. And it's like, all right, so Saturdays are for college and Sundays are for pro. And then Sunday nights are for the nationally televised game. At some point, we'll figure this out. We'll do something with the family. But it's too good. The sports are too good. So it's about right. multitasking. We're all just trying to, uh, to figure this out and get through it together. Listen, Grant, it's all about the summer when you can take vacations and spend time with your family. Then they know. Daddy doesn't exist anymore once football season starts. And they realize it because you love football more than your wife, apparently. So we've learned that. I've known you for a while, Grant, but I'm going to write that down. Grant loves football more than his wife. I'll make sure we reference that at some point. Write down best dad ever in the spring and summer. Write that down. I'm going to, you know what? I want to get you a mug, a coffee mug that says best (laughs) dad ever. And there's a little star. And then like down in small print, it's just going to say in the spring and summer or not in the off season. season. In the off season, that's that's where Grant is the best dad of the year. I I, uh, I can cannot get that picture out of my head. I was talking to Matt Lafleur, who I covered when he was in Washington and uh, is now the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, 
And he's basically got this sign in his house that his wife put up. And it's something along those lines, you know, like it's teachers basically say like the best three things about being a teacher or whatever. And it's like the three months of the summer, but it's like a yeah. countdown until the season's over in some ways for a lot of these coaches, because these folks like Matt LaFleur is just a grinder who's putting in 19 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Their families don't see them. You know, it's not quite the same when you're just sitting on a couch eating hell of a good dip in potato chips, which is basically what I'm doing. I'm not devising schemes to try to move the ball against the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football. But chips and dip and, and moving the ball against uh, Dan Campbell's team, it's not that different, really, if you think about it. All right, before we get into the big college football games today, I, I do need to get back on this because you just mentioned it. When you talk about dip, what type of dip? Is it French onion dip? What's the type of dip you use with your chips? No, there's only one. So I, I've okay. been, I've run the gamut on this. I've, I've purchased everything in the aisle. It's hell of a good French mm. onion dip. It comes That's it. in multiple yes. shapes, you know, but I lose, I go like the smaller cylinder tube because I'll pummel that over the course of a whole weekend. And then we're going with, I used to do just regular Lay's potato chips. It's got to be kettle cooked, that extra crunch, mm-hmm. get some of those curls in there, but it's, French onion, hell of a good. There's nothing like it. It's the best. I, I was hoping you would say that because that is really the only choice. That and I will say I had a similar situation to you last week, but it was when I ordered wings and they showed up at the house before week one of the NFL season. And I just smiled and said, wings and football is all I need. And I was happy. It really is. There you it's, go. It's the, it's the simple things in life, Grant. It really is. And see, that's the beauty of this show. Not only will we get into betting uh, and everything going on on the weekend, uh, but it's probably going to be football food. It'll be part of it. You know, we should have recipes that we bring every week and just be like, you know what? Every week, here's a new here's a new football recipe. We I did get a years ago. I remember I got a, a, it was a Christmas present and it was every single team in the NFL. And it was one recipe from their actual tailgates that people have. So I may I may do something. And then like did that. you but, cook any of it or did you just look at the recipes? I've cooked some of it, but I don't really look at cookbooks. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just not. That's the only cookbook that made sense for me. Uh, most people now for Christmas gifts, they just get me something involving alcohol like beer or bourbon or I'm like, OK, yeah, sure, I'll take that. But, you know, that was the one that was a cookbook. And I'm like, hmm, you know, I could actually maybe use this, but I haven't. But you know what? For this show, I will. I'm going to make a recipe and I'm going to tell you about it. It's going to be good. Promise. All right. I look forward to it. I want <laughs> updates. Uh, you I don't know how you stay in, in good shape if you uh, are enjoying the foods that I'm enjoying on the weekend. But I look the part. I mean, I am. This is a chips and dip frame. So it's football season. This is my time of year. Uh, during the week is when I get off the couch. That's how it works. The weekend, I don't. During the week is when I get off the couch. We mentioned a loaded college football slate today. So let's play a game. Fade or play. All right, Grant. We're starting off with the most important, most interesting game because it's the number one team in the country. It's number one, Alabama. It's number 11, Florida. Alabama up to a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. One point, though, actually, was, I think, 17. Uh, the over-under now, we've got the total at 59-and-a-half, uh, depending on where you look, obviously. FanDuel, I think, has it up to 60-and-a-half now as well. But let's just look at this from big picture here. Are you in any way comfortable to see Florida possibly, just possibly, even covering this? Because every single year, this is what happens. I mean, Alabama blew Miami out of the water. Alabama's double-digit favorites all the time. They just dominate college football. But the last time these two played was the SEC championship game, and that was a high-flying, very high-scoring game. Yeah, I will fade the idea that Florida covers, believe it or not. I know it's a lot of points here, but I just think Alabama is better than the Gators and is going to pull away in this game. I guess my reasoning here, Nick, would be 
Florida's offense worries me. They do run the ball. They're number two in the country through a couple weeks at running the football, and that's primarily based on their quarterback position. Emory Johnson's been really good, and Anthony Richardson at carrying the football. But to stay in this game with Alabama, I think they're going to have to throw the ball. And if I'm calling the shots, I would have Anthony Richardson in the game more. I think he is a better all-around athlete and player. Emory Johnson's turned the football over too many times this season. He's already got four interceptions in a couple of games. So I think they're going to turn the ball over when they throw it. I think they're going to struggle to make plays down the field in the passing game, the Jacob Copeland and the rest of uh, that wide receiver core. And I just think they're going to have a hard time keeping up. Alabama does have questions, a lot of penalties. They lose linebacker Christopher Allen, look likely for the season with a foot injury. Those things don't bode well. But I think they outclass the Gators here and end up covering this number. I don't feel great about it. Like, it's not something that I would be desperate to play. But in this situation, you're asking me fade or play the Gators and the points. I think I would fade that. Yeah, I, I got to be with you there, too. I, I, I fade Florida. I, I think Alabama is going to have this is going to be a high scoring game. So I like the over in this. But Alabama is going to cover that 14 and a half. It's just I, I look at a team right now in Alabama that continues to be dominant. The one issue or the question that I have is whether or not Florida's defense can get after Bryce Young. I mean, he hasn't thrown an interception yet, but if you look, they have not thrown the ball deep very much at all. And that's really one of the biggest question marks for them. In fact, Bryce Young's only attempted 10 passes past 20 yards, and he's completed one. So they're not – they haven't been forced to throw the ball deep yet. They haven't taken those opportunities. So if you're Florida and you can take away some of those short and intermediate passes and maybe make Bryce Young – have those attempts you force them to try to go deep a little bit it might be a situation where they can at least help by the way Alabama's committed 17 penalties so they haven't been totally disciplined yet to start the year and it's still Alabama though I I try to convince myself and sit here well maybe Florida can do this maybe Florida can cover and you know you got guys getting asked about it before the game how do you feel that you're such a big underdog even though you're number 11 team in the country and like well a lot of teams are favored by you know underdogs by 20 Alabama's favored by 20 25 in a lot of games so the Alabama dominance continues, and you can even talk about those injuries, but realistically, Grant, they still have a ton of talent on that roster. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm fading Florida. I like Alabama to cover in this. Yeah, Bryce Young has been ultra-efficient short to intermediate, and you mentioned that's what the Gators are going to have to take away. But he's completing 71% of his passes for about 570 yards and seven touchdowns through a couple of weeks. One of my concerns for the Gators is they level up here in an 11 versus a 1 matchup is you look at the competition to this point, right? Florida Atlantic, they whooped them 35-14. They go to South Florida, they double them up 42-20. to 20. You almost wish you had a little bit more of a test before this, before you have to deal with the tide. My concern for Alabama, other than the penalties, you referenced discipline. This is something Nick Saban's been harping on. Now, normally this time of year, he sits here and he complains about his team and he pretends they're not any good and we have to all play along with that. There is actually some reason for a little bit of concern, I guess, in terms of them just being on the normal level of number one Alabama. But the running game has not really gotten going, if you look at it, for Alabama. Uh, Brian Richardson's averaging about five per carry. Trey Sanders right around 70 yards on 15 attempts. I'd like to see that happen. Today, the big storyline is going to be Bryce Young. This is his chance to introduce himself to America. You come out, you thrive. You're next in line behind Mac Jones. You'll be the guy getting drafted high soon enough. If he struggles and they either don't cover this number or maybe lose to Florida, I think the narrative about him changes considerably. So this is somewhat of a referendum game for him. It's his first huge game as their starter. But the, the key long-term this season for me 
they've got to find a way to run the ball a little bit better than they have. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and of course, we got Auburn and Penn State. Grant, that's going to be number twenty-two against number ten. Penn State's a five and a half point favorite there. The totals at fifty-two and a half. That's the seven thirty Eastern game, the whiteout game, the whiteout game that Penn State just never seems to lose right now. They've won. They won and covered against the Badgers in Ball State. It's a big one too for Penn State because the Ohio State loss to Oregon gives them a real opportunity. But I'm going to fade Auburn here. I like Penn State to cover easily in this because they also just don't lose. Ohio State was the last team to win at Beaver Stadium during the whiteout game, and that's back in 2016. So it's been a long time since Penn State's lost this game. Yeah, and this is a, a good example of like early season schedule and how sometimes you know about a team and sometimes you don't. You mentioned they're both 2-0, and and Auburn at number 22 hadn't played anybody yet, and Penn State's had a pretty decent schedule to this point. And they had a top 25 road win, and they beat the 2020 MAC champs already. What I'm fascinated by today is this James Franklin storyline. He said he had to sit down and meet with his captains. I think he called it his leadership council this week. There's a lot of people saying maybe he ends up at USC as the next head coach mm-hmm. there. He didn't say flat out no like Urban Meyer did, that he's not interested. But he, he made it about his team, obviously, and said he's with the Nittany Lions. But you got 107,000 people filing in for the biggest game of your young season, and that was hanging over the program this week. Auburn I would really like in this spot generally, and I think I'm going to take them with the points, so I'll play them. But you're talking about FCS opponent Alabama State and Akron so far as they've poured on 122. This is our first real chance to see what is Bo Nix, who's completed 74% of his passes, five touchdowns, no picks. Big test for Tank Bigsby, playing against a much better defensive front. The running backs averaging 10 yards per carry. You can do that against Akron. You can do that against FCS teams. This is a whole different ballgame today for Auburn. I think they're going to handle this well. I like Penn State to win. But I think it's going to be a very close game within a couple of points. So give me Auburn and the points. Yeah, some shops have actually lowered this to Penn State minus four, which kind of tells you, all right, this game might be closer if it was more of a neutral site, but they're giving that advantage to the fact that it's that home field. That's just going to be so much fun to watch. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. Just having that ability to see all the fans there again, it's just great to have that. Nebraska and number three, Oklahoma. One more before we wrap this up. Uh, Oklahoma, the heavy favorite of this. 22 and a half is the number there. 62 and a half is your total. I like Oklahoma to easily cover in this one. It's just so many points for a rivalry game. I'm going to do something that I think is stupid. And I'm going to tell you that I think it's stupid. I'm going to take the rival and the points, even though I think they're terrible. And I think they should get blown out by 40 in this game. College is just weird. This is one of my rules when betting. If it's over 20 points in a game between two teams that generally have played some close games or hate each other, I like all those points. So I'm going to do that just based on the number. But I obviously love Oklahoma, and I don't think much of Nebraska. Hey, remember, Oklahoma is going to be mad, too, because Nebraska tried to back out of this game in March. That was the whole issue. They were like, actually, we don't want to play this anymore. We're going to go look for somebody else instead. So, yeah, this is this is one of those. Look, We have seen them play one game a lot closer than they should have already, by the way, in week one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that's true. I, I still I, I like Oklahoma. I, I just don't have any confidence in Nebraska in this right now. There's a lot of heat on Scott Frost, though it has backed off somewhat. Uh, there is plenty of heat still sitting on Scott Frost. Coming up, uh, what we learned in week one and what we expect to learn in week two of the NFL season. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Nick Ashew. It's Countdown on the BetQL Network. You can catch us on YouTube. You can get us on Twitch. Don't forget the Odyssey app as well, the video, the audio, everything. Make sure you download that Odyssey app. We're coming back. 
You're listening to The Countdown 2 with Grant Paulson and Nick Ashu on the BeckQL Network, available on the Odyssey app and streaming on Twitch.tv. I'm Listening Daily, brought to you by Genomind. Here's Michael Phelps on seeking help for mental problems. You know, I think for me in, in 2014, when I found myself in that dark, dark place where, you know, I, necess- I I didn't want to be alive in those four days when I was in my room by myself, not wanting to talk to anybody, not eating anything, not moving for three or four days. You know, for me, after sitting there and thinking about everything, I, I wanted to find a different way. I wanted to find a different answer. Um, I was sick and tired of feeling how I felt and just that opportunity of sharpening up your tools. You know, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And that's why I that, that's why I started to seek help. And, and, and that's when I checked myself into a treatment center. Uh, and, and since then, I've I've been working with a therapist. I'm listening is brought to you by Genomind, the Genomind mental health map, the new expert starting point for your mental health. Visit mentalhealthmap.com to learn more and order your mental health map DNA test kit today. That's mentalhealthmap.com. The best players in the league perform even better with a great assist. And using BetQL to help take your sports betting to the next level, it's an MVP move. BetQL analyzes every bet from every game to find you the most profitable opportunities. Sometimes a spread is off by a few points or a total is way too high or low. BetQL shows you where the real value is so you can make smarter bets and cash in more consistently. All the bets from today's games are clearly listed and ranked on a scale of one to five stars. Those five-star bets give you the best chance to win and have shown real proven results. Get insights on sides, totals, player props, and more combined with articles from BetQL's team of wagering experts. BetQL has you covered for pro and college games, football, basketball, baseball, and even hockey and soccer. It's time to get better at betting with BetQL. Visit BetQL.com and use promo code BET for 20% off. That's 20% off with promo code BET at BetQL.com. Start your day with a daily tip featuring Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on The Bet. If you're in a bar or something, and even if you're trying to have a conversation with someone, if a TV is on and football is playing, I always have to remind myself, Michael, look at the person you're talking to. With your eyes keep darting over to the television. I would love to have secret camera footage of people who are betting on these games towards the end people who really need teams to have either you know a garbage time touchdown or something while they're talking to other people like can you spot them from a mile away because you can always tell it better because they look very nervous their eyes keep glancing back and forth to the tv and they are generally not fun people to talk to at the end of the game and that is me when talking to anyone during any of these college football games and i expect i'm going to be that way all weekend long the daily tip morning six to nine eastern from the betql network your home for wagertainment Welcome back to the Countdown 2 with Grant Paulson and Nick Ashew on the BetQL Network. Remember, BetQLU follows us, giving you eight hours of college football scores, news coverage, and the biggest plays. BetQLU keeps you updated on all of today's action. They're coming after us, Grant Paulson and Nick Ashew, counting you down to week three of college football and, of course, week two of the NFL starting tomorrow. We're live on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash betql. We're on YouTube. We're on the Odyssey app, both the video streams and the audio on Odyssey. That makes sense. Make sure you download that app. CBS Sports Radio, BetQL Network. Grant, I hope you're keeping track of all the millions of things that are on part of this multicast because I've had to write it down a couple of times. 
I am keeping track. This is media now, man. I love it. We're everywhere. You, you can't avoid us. So you can't say, oh, I wasn't able to check out the show. Sure you are. Uh, you, you got any type of platform. You can find us on that platform. Yeah. We learned a lot in week one, Grant. We're going to learn plenty more in week two of the NFL now. Can't wait. It's time to get schooled. Grant, there were tons of things, and we know that you tend to overreact. Maybe not you as much, but the general public. Sometimes myself. Look, I overreacted a little bit after week one and what happened with Washington. Uh, the defensive line looked horrible. We've already had their week two game, and it was at least a little bit better. But that's that's how it works. What makes the NFL and really just makes football great is that it's an event. So every week it's one game, and then you spend the entire week dissecting and probably overreacting and overthinking about what your team did or what some team did or how your bet ended up after that week. Uh, you tend to have to calm yourself down just a little bit. But I will say there is one thing. There's multiple things that I learned. But one thing that I've already learned, Grant, and it's going to be something that I'm going to keep pushing and keep watching, Jameis Winston and his five touchdowns. I learned that Sean Payton can make any quarterback a better quarterback. And they're at Carolina. They're three-and-a-half-point dogs. That total right there at 44-and-a-half, I like the over, and I like Jameis Winston. Even with a better defense against Carolina, I get it. Five touchdowns in week one. I want to see more of that. You know what else I want to see? Dude, I want to see happy Jameis Winston because he is so much fun when he is just dancing around and having a good time. I understand that people gave him crap for that a lot of times, but you know what works? When you're winning and you're playing well, nobody cares if you're having fun anymore. Well, go back and look at that game, and what you're going to see is they didn't really have to move the ball much. I mean, defensively, mm -hmm. they were dominant, and I think the script for them this year is going to be let's not put a whole lot on Jameis Winston's plate. He did throw for five touchdowns. That's the lead. That's the story. That's five snaps. You know, some teams are taking 75 offensive snaps, right? What did you do the rest of the time? It's under 200 passing yards. It was a day where they didn't really need him to be great. And I think the more often that that's the case this year, the better for Sean Payton and the Saints. I had very high expectations for Winston coming into the year. I never bought into this fake quarterback competition. I didn't think Taysom Hill would be the starter, although, by the you way. You didn't buy into Taysom Hill's fake contract, too, so you didn't think that was that that was a sign? Hey, he's uh, living okay. He's doing all right financially. It's not that fake to him and his family. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's not a real thing that he's going to cash all those checks down the line, Nick. But to that point, like he would have won that game, and he would have thrown four touchdowns. It's easy receivers. Sean, uh, wide open pass plays. Uh, Sean Payton gets guys open. Winston will have a nice year. Can you cut down on the mistakes? That's the big question. You didn't have to force any balls in the windows. You weren't trying to come back. You weren't playing a tight game under pressure. So we didn't learn a whole lot, in my opinion, with the Saints offense this past week. We'll learn a little bit more this week, maybe. 1-0 New Orleans, 1-0 Carolina. Both teams covered, hit the under. I think this could be a lower-scoring game, frankly. Uh, the New Orleans defense was great in forcing three takeaways. They win 38-3 as a four-point dog. If you look at Green Bay, 2.9 yards per play. That, to me, was the story of that game. The Saints defense looked awesome, and it made Winston's day really, really simple. I'm intrigued by Carolina. I don't think a whole lot of the Panthers this year offensively with Sam Darnold, but their defense held the Jets to 252 yards and had six sacks of Zach Wilson. So I want to see if they take a step forward and if they can keep New Orleans in check. Much, much more different ballgame, I think, in terms of game script for the Saints this week. I'll give you a takeaway from uh, week one, 
And here's something that I want to know. It was we're talking schooled, what we learned, what carries over, what doesn't. Should I be worried about the Colts? I did not like their matchup in week one against Seattle, right? But is it bigger than that? Like, my point going into the first game was the Colts are going to be really good by the end of the year. This is a team that's going to make playoff noise with Carson Wentz and Frank Reich getting back together. But that was really ugly. The, the foundation of this team, Nick, the strength of this team is their offensive front. Carson Wentz got hit 10 times and sacked three times. They got a late touchdown as part of a 12-point loss. That was not a close game at all. This week, they don't get to be the Packers and play the Lions for a get right. They're playing the Rams. A minus three-and-a-half line for L.A. in this game totals about 48-and-a-half. But you're dealing with Matt Stafford. You've seen his future as an MVP already change considerably. He's second on the MVP board right now. A lot of places around plus 800, eight-to-one odds. Stafford was sharp through for 321-3. and I'm worried about the Colts, and I'm not just saying 0-2. I wonder about this team now as a favorite in the AFC South coming into the year. Well, first off, I don't like that you stomped on my dreams with Jameis Winston earlier, so we're just going to get past that. You took away all my What dreams? Jameis Winston's going to have a good year. I will, oh, well, yeah, but you talk – look, all I want to do is see Jameis – you're right. Okay, you kind of didn't, but you kind of did. But there was more logic in yours, and I just want to see him have fun, but that's fine. But I do want to bring this up because he, actual numbers and logic here. Uh, Carson Wentz is actually 7-4 and four against the spread as a home underdog. The problem is uh, he already was that with Indianapolis week one, and he lost, and it's a much tougher matchup with a four-point favorite, give or take, of what book you're looking for in terms of, of the Rams. And, look, this is Carson Wentz's second chance, man. This is his opportunity to show that he can get back to at least close to what he was, what the expectations were in Philadelphia. And I kind of look at it, honestly, as like Carson Wentz pre-torn ACL and Carson Wentz post-torn ACL because it was two different guys. I mean, yeah. he tears that ACL. He's an MVP candidate in Philadelphia. Then, of course, we know what happens. Nick Foles goes on, leads them to win a Super Bowl, and you're going. He was leading well, the league second. with 33 touchdown passes when he got hurt. He hasn't been the same since then. And and some of it has to do with the fact, and clearly he's not there, so that shows that you're watching another quarterback go in and lead your team to a Super Bowl, and you hear rumblings that maybe he's getting a little disgruntled with uh, the way he's being treated there or the way that his role is or whatever. It's, now he's got an opportunity in – Indianapolis to make it right with Frank Reich, you know, the coach that's going to make him the Carson Wentz that we saw before. Now, again, it's one week, but this isn't going to be any easier for them, not to mention the Colts are 0-4 against the spread as a home underdog under Frank Reich. So a lot does not lean in their favor in this game against the Rams. And I'm with you, man. Like, the Colts, look, I didn't have massively high expectations for them, Grant, but I at least looked at this enough and said, okay, this is a team that should be better than where they were before. Carson Wentz in this system should be better. And after one week, you're already saying, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I've got another thing that I did learn. The Bengals are a lot better than what they were before. And it's amazing. Definitely. What a good quarterback. Shocking. When you find your franchise quarterback, Grant, it's amazing what a team can be. I like them plus two and a half against the Bears this weekend. I, I watch a team that won just six games over the last two seasons. Now, granted, when you lose Joe Burrow to a torn ACL last year, it wasn't going to make them any better for the rest of the year. But now you add, really, uh, Jamar Chase, who has that familiarity with Joe Burrow already. The AFC North is really pretty wide open, in a sense. You watch them win that game against the, the, the Vikings in overtime, and I'm looking at fans having fun. I'm looking at this team having fun. I'm, this is a whole new Bengals. It's not just what they do on the field, 
but you can tell that with the roster overhaul that Cincinnati made this offseason, there's a different attitude within that locker room. And that's type of stuff. There's no stats to really dictate that. It's just the eye test. You've got to watch. And I see an exciting, confident, young Bengals team right now that looks like they can actually make a case for being maybe one of the worst to first teams in the NFL. We always get them every single year. So they spent a lot of money on defense. And I don't think enough people talked about that. Trey Hendrickson now comes over the pass rusher, a double-digit sacks from the Saints. I think he could have a big year for them. That's just one of a handful of new starters that's dramatically going to upgrade that side of the ball. They held Dalvin Cook to 61 rushing yards. Yeah, I stopped short of liking them the plus two and a half with the Bears this week only because I thought while they did play really well and they handled themselves well in overtime, they benefited from some big-time help from Minnesota. They committed, I think it was 14 penalties well over 100 yards. And Mike Zimmer's teams start season slow. I I wouldn't want to be Mike Zimmer right now. His butt's going to start burning on the seat he's sitting on. Uh, they got Arizona this weekend. But the Bengals, I just think that that's a sneaky competitive team. The Steelers will be better. The Ravens, I think, are going to be a little bit better, even though I'm, I'm not high on Baltimore this year with all their injuries in that division. Uh, the Cleveland Browns may well win that division. But the Bengals are not a pushover anymore. I agree with you. And if you can get them with a couple of points, like you are this weekend against bad teams like Chicago, they're frisky, man. I, I don't hate that play at all. Yeah, and, and honestly, the, the quarterback situation in Chicago is not going to go away until it actually gets settled. And by settled, it has to be Justin Fields starting. But you're watching that offense just not look comfortable with Andy Dalton. And you're hearing that guys within the locker room, Grant, aren't happy, are, are saying Justin Fields should be out there. Personally, I like the way they're using fields right now. I'm not one of those big proponents of necessarily throwing in a young quarterback right away. But right now, Chicago looks like they're in a very awkward situation. It's rocky, and you can just tell there's a lot going on there that's going to translate onto the field, and it gives Cincinnati an opportunity, I think, to sneak up in that game. But I tell you what, that that Chicago situation, is is that is going to linger for probably really this entire season until you figure out exactly where you're going with Justin Fields as the quarterback. Yeah, winnable game for Dalton and this yeah. team, though. And Everton probably buys him another few weeks. So it's critical that he plays well and doesn't turn the ball over. You lose and he throws a couple picks. It's going to be a long week for him in Chicago. I'll sneak one more in. The Chiefs have not changed, and they are exactly who you thought they were. <laughs> They've got the Ravens this weekend, and that's a team that just gave up on primetime on Monday night, 500 yards to Las Vegas. Kansas City, I think, is going to move the ball up and down the field against Baltimore. But the Ravens' problems go beyond running back. Everyone just talks about all their running back injuries and how they're a run-first team. They're going to be okay, I think, on offense because Lamar Jackson can play some hero ball and create both with his feet and in play action down the field. The problem for that team that I see is that defensively, they're in shambles in the secondary. And I think the Peters injury may end up being a much bigger deal than the Dobbins injury. And we found that out this week. And as far as school goes, I don't think that's changing. I think that was an authentic tell about Baltimore when we watch them play Vegas on Monday night. I'll sneak in one real quick, too. Uh, Taylor Heineke may be for real, and I love watching him play. So we'll just get that in there real quick. Man, he was so much fun to watch what he was able to do. I, I, I want to see this kid do it every single week, not just because it's Washington, but because we love stories like this in sports. That's really what matters. The guy that was about to quit football comes out and now has great games uh, under the lights. Uh, coming up, when will this Alabama dominance stop? Does anyone actually believe anything Urban Meyer says right now? He's Grant Paulson. I'm Nick Ashew. It's Countdown on the BetQL Network. 
You're listening to The Countdown 2 with Grant Paulson and Nick Ashu on the BetQL Network, available on the Odyssey app and streaming on Twitch.tv. It's Chelsea Messenger from The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. It's time for two truths and a lie. I was a 10-pound baby. Two, I was an all-state free-throw shooter in high school. Or three, I once cut Apple CEO Tim Cook in line at a football game. The lie? It's number two. My brother earned that title. And for the record, Tim Cook didn't have a media credential. Listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM every weekday morning from 6 to 9 Eastern, only on BetQL. I'm Listening Daily, brought to you by Genomind. Here's Mike Shinoda on mental health awareness. Anxiety, depression, suicide, these things were already being talked about so much before Chester passed away. I think one thing that I've learned, mental health, it's not a state of being. Think about it like something where you've got a scale of like, how are you doing right now? There's an awareness. Mental health is all about being aware of how am I doing today? Like if you say on a scale of one to 10, how healthy are you? You don't ever want to dip below a certain level. So you, if you think about like, what is my mental health right now? And it feels like it's low, or you're looking at your spouse or friend or whoever, and you're saying, I think that they're having a really bad day. It should be cause for concern. It should be cause for action. I'm Listening is brought to you by Genomind, the Genomind Mental Health Map, the new expert starting point for your mental health. Visit mentalhealthmap.com to learn more and order your Mental Health Map DNA test kit today. That's mentalhealthmap.com. Hey guys, it's Michael Jenkins from The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. It's time for two truths and a lie. Here we go. Number one, I was once a country music DJ in eighth grade. Two, I once wrote a song considered by Jimmy Buffett. Three, I was asked to be a roadie for Kenny Chesney. The lie? It's number three, being a roadie. The song I helped write was called, Ain't No Lonely Like You Leave It. Have a laugh and get some insight. That's what we call wagertainment. Listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM every weekday morning from 6 to 9 Eastern, only on BetQL. The best players in the league perform even better with a great assist. And using BetQL to help take your sports betting to the next level, it's an MVP move. BetQL analyzes every bet from every game to find you the most profitable opportunities. Sometimes a spread is off by a few points or a total is way too high or low. BetQL shows you where the real value is so you can make smarter bets and cash in more consistently. All the bets from today's games are clearly listed and ranked on a scale of one to five stars. Those five-star bets give you the best chance to win and have shown real proven results. Get insights on sides, totals, player props, and more combined with articles from BetQL's team of wagering experts. BetQL has you covered for pro and college games, football, basketball, baseball, and even hockey and soccer. It's time to get better at betting with BetQL. Visit BetQL.com and use promo code BET for 20% off. That's 20% off with promo code BET at BetQL.com. Start your day with a daily tip featuring Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on The Bet. USC has fired Clay Helton. Was this a shocker to you, Jinx? After the second game of the season when you have only one loss, it just feels like a knee-jerk reaction to me because USC certainly has the players to go on a run here. Maybe they were influenced by the fact that Oregon looks like they're going to run rough shot through the Pac-12, so USC is thinking, okay, now we got to make a move. This is where that certain standard that you kind of reference plays against you. 
I think when you have a fan base that expects the best each and every year and you have that really short fuse, it kind of plays against you. Urban Meyer, he's in Jacksonville thinking I could have one of the premier jobs. He's waking up this morning in Jacksonville, 0-1, having lost to the Texans, and there is an opening at at USC. The Daily Tip, morning 6 to 9 Eastern from the BetQL Network, your home for wagertainment. It's time to get you ready for all the weekend's biggest sporting events, from the latest line movement to the best bets to the best player props. We'll help you start the weekend off the right way. It's the Countdown 2 with Grant Paulson and Nick Ashew on the BetQL Network. We are one hour away from kickoff for week three for college football, and it's now 26 hours away from week two in the NFL. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Nick Ashew. This is Countdown 2. This is a new show. You're going to get it every week, 10 to noon Eastern, on the BetQL Network, on CBS Sports Radio, on Twitch, on the Odyssey app, on YouTube. It's literally across the board on every single thing. He's Grant H. Paulson on Twitter. I'm at Nick Ashew on Twitter. If you want to get with us on social media as well. Grant, it is. this has been a fun first hour of the show. And, you know, once football season kicks in, man, this is this is on everybody's mind. But we'll be doing other things, of course, as well with this, too. We'll get into, you know, big Major League Baseball playoff games, uh, some fights when those happen. We'll count down to big NBA games. I'm a big NBA guy. I'm Look, I love every game, but I realize some are bigger than others. But we're going to go across the board with everything on this because the weekends are packed with stuff moving forward now in sports. Don't forget the NASCAR playoffs have begun. You became a big NASCAR guy. I forgot about that. (laughs) During the pandemic, all of a sudden it was NASCAR Grant, and I was like, where did this come from? I like this. I've cooled a bit on NASCAR Paulson, but there were a couple things I picked up because they came back before everything else. Like, I was watching more UFC and mixed martial arts than I was previously. I started to watch. I've never in my life cared one second about watching a race. I thought it was hilarious, and I made fun of the idea of just driving in circles. And next thing you know... I'm watching the all of these events and getting sucked in as a sports fan because I had nothing else to invest my time in. But there's nothing we won't cover on the show that people care about on a Saturday and a Sunday on Countdown 2. So, yeah, it'll be uh, fun. We'll get to scratch some itches that we normally wouldn't probably. You talk about getting into other things like racing. So I have a friend of mine who is a big IndyCar fan and, like, sailing races. Like, you know, the ones where they go around, like, the courses and it's, like, out wow. in the Caribbean and – and That's he knows, a deep like, cut. so he actually was like a semi-pro race car driver for a while. I don't know what the circuit was. He owns like his own car shops now. He's just like brilliant when it comes to this stuff. But he knows all about these types of things. And I've sat with him and I've watched him, and it's actually really fascinating once you get to learn some of it. Now, would oh, I ever sure. put a bet down in an Indy car? No, no, or funny car or uh, sailing? Uh, uh-uh. it ain't happening. But you're, when you start to like actually immerse yourself in it a little bit and learn from it. So I at least understand where you are with the NASCAR thing. Uh, I, I I would love to go to a race, but in terms of sitting down and watching it for hours and hours, I haven't, I haven't gotten to that point yet, but you're right. Well, now there's the so much more watching. going on. It's a lot harder. Yeah. yeah it's, people watching rankings. My, my, here are my, and my pet, uh, Pantheon pecking order for people right. watching is like all right. NASCAR race one airport two, <laughs> and then like a mall third probably like that's okay. the hierarchy but the race got the gold medal the time i went to a race which was pre-pandemic but pretty amazing 
you could also you could also add say you're a, a, a DD for people and you're at a bar and everybody else is drunk and you're sober. That's pretty good people watching too. So you can maybe add that to your list True. in there. But yeah, airport airport certainly has a lot going on. So he's Grant Paulson. I'm Nick Ashu. It's countdown two. We're taking you up till noon on wherever you're watching or listening to this show. And uh, we have had probably one of the most obvious and expected conversations over the last few days, Grant. And it involves USC and it involves the Jaguars. And no, it's not whether or not one could beat the other, but it's whether or not Urban Meyer is actually telling the truth. And I'm going to tell you this right now, dude. I do not believe for one second when Urban Meyer says he absolutely not isn't thinking about the USC job at all. Of course he is. Man, ever since he took that job, it's been a complete S show in Jacksonville. That week one game for them, they looked completely, not just undisciplined, but it's like they forgot how to play football and what the rules were with too many guys in the huddle. And they're just making dumb penalties. And, of course, the Tim Tebow situation, which didn't bother me, but apparently it bothered a lot of players within the Jaguars organization. His body language. I'm always a big – you talk about people watching. I'm a big believer in watching players, coaches – their body language on the sidelines, on the field, on the court, whatever it is. What do they look like? Do they look like they're actually into what they're doing? And Urban Meyer looks like he's already regretting taking that Jaguars job. And really, the only reason it was enticing was because you had the number one overall pick. You had Trevor Lawrence. But the NFL is a different animal from college football. And you can tell that Urban Meyer has learned this very, very quickly. I think he has learned already that this is going to be way harder than he anticipated. And there might be some regret, frankly. I don't think he's walking away from Jacksonville. I'd be stunned if he left the NFL at the end of this season or certainly before. I think he's in this thing. I don't know if I'd say for the long haul, because I don't think Urban Meyer's in anything for the long haul. I think he's there for a few years and then he bounces. So I would be also equally as surprised if he made it to the end of his contract. But it's not going to be because he's leaving for this USC opening. I do take him at his word. Maybe I'll end up looking foolish. There's just such a small track record. There's so little precedent for a coach showing up and walking out the door almost immediately. I mean, the only time I can really think about, there's a couple of like Bobby Petrino, Bobby Petrino on the, the Falcons. I thought of, yep. He like left notes in lockers. That's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever heard. Oh. But there's oh. a lot of people that still have no respect for him based on that in the industry, right? So you don't want to necessarily be that guy, I don't think. Um, and, and I'm sure if you know him and, and you're around him, you, you get to respect him more. There's a reverence for how hard he works, and maybe you can get over it. But people that only know him as the guy who left the notes in the lockers in Atlanta, a lot of those players, I bet you they don't have that many nice things to say. I can remember Nick Saban. I thought the way he left Miami to go back to college was awkward. And for a while, I think – People held grudges against Nick Saban. Now, he's accomplished so much and been so great at Alabama that you leave that in the, your wake. And maybe if Urban Meyer did go to USC and he had unbelievable success and they won Natty titles, then the narrative would spin back in his favor. But I just think there's too much to lose in terms of perception. I don't know. Maybe I'm a, a old soul. I, I think that decorum and, and handling yourself properly kind of matters. You've committed to a lot of people. You, you've asked them to buy in and invest. That should mean something to Urban Meyer in this a process with these professionals who are in his outfit. Uh, and lastly, I'd say this. You're talking about body language and all that. I think some of this is probably overblown by the media in that, yeah, it's bad. There's a lot of bad situations when a guy inherits a terrible football team. It's normally not that pretty. 
Like I can remember covering teams where, where clubs were getting blown out by 30 plus points in week one with a new head coach. This happens all the time. It's not going to be a simple, easy fix for him. It's going to take a few years. He had to have known that when he took the job, even if he thought it'd be easier than it has been, which is probably fair. He didn't think he was just showing up and waving a wand over this thing and they were going to go to the playoffs. So I think he's in it for the long haul in Jacksonville and that he'll be there for the next couple of years at least. He will not be named the head coach of USC, in my opinion, in the next calendar year. No chance. I'm glad you have, I'm glad you have confidence in that because it's one thing to say, I know I'm going into a situation that needs to be fixed. It needs to be upgraded. We've got to develop young talent. We've got to build a roster. But it's another thing to be immersed in it and losing. And he was 16-0 in season openers before he lost week one when he was head coach of the Jaguars. He's not used to losing. He's not used to not being successful. Everywhere Urban Meyer has gone, he's been successful. And, yeah, but doesn't that's, always stay to me, that Nick, long. That's an argument for why he'll stay there to try to fix it over why he'd just leave and abandon it. These guys aren't used to not winning. And, and I think that's a shot to your – like, think about Steve Spurrier. He ends up coming to the NFL. He was terrible for two seasons. He left after that. He could have won. He handed the play calling duties off to Hugh Jackson, who would go on to be the head coach in, in Cincinnati and the Raiders. And Washington was successful. And he said, ah, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's either, I came here to see if my thing worked. And if it doesn't, I'll go back. But he stayed for two really bad seasons because he wanted to prove to people that his thing worked. Don't you think if you're Urban Meyer leaving – makes it seem like you couldn't hack it. You couldn't do it. I think that's why he'll stay because these guys are just too proud. They're too confident. They're too cocky. They think they're the best. And he thinks he's the best and he's going to try to prove it. But at the same time, when you're in that moment, you also sit there and say, is it worth it for me? And, and Urban Meyer has been the guy in the past to leave situations early because he said it isn't worth it for me because he's been so stressed out and had health issues because of it, that that could also be a factor in this too. I'm with you in the sense that, yeah, there's obviously, you can't be a successful head coach in any sport and not have an ego and not have a type A personality and not be competitive. But there's also some of the mindset of, is the juice worth the squeeze? You've got a very involved owner down there in Jacksonville. You got a fan base that they had to build pools in the stadium because no one would show up. So they had to say, hey, come swim here. And then you can also watch this terrible Jags team. Yeah, it's different. You got Trevor Lawrence. And yes, you've got a renewed hope within that fan base and that organization. But it's just you're also dealing with millionaires and egos. You're not the face of the franchise like Trevor Lawrence is, though. Urban Meyer certainly is a big part of it right now. It's not like college where college coaches are always the face of the program because they're the ones staying. The players are always the ones that end up leaving, going to the pros. Look. I, I see the competitive side of it. I'm with you on that point. I just don't see enough from him in terms of his body language and his frustration and constantly being asked about these things to the point where he just says, this isn't worth it. Because, by the way, Nick Saban tried, and it didn't work out, though. I think he actually would have been successful had he stayed in Miami. They were a 500 team by the time he left, and he was rebuilding a program, you know, an organization, too. But you have that also, like, well, other college coaches have come here and it hasn't worked, so are people really going to hold it against me that much? And I could go to USC and take that opportunity. Look, I would rather him stay. I really want to see how it works out and see whether or not he can hack it in the NFL because we always talk about guys like Nick Saban and Urban Meyer making the jump. Well, now Urban Meyer has, and I want to see if it actually works, and I'd like to see Trevor Lawrence and that franchise be successful because it's good for the NFL to have more young quarterbacks be successful. I just don't see anything in terms of his body language, in terms of his demeanor but, but already. That you tells keep me talking about his body about language, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's coached one game. They got their doors yeah. blown off. What was well, his body language supposed two. to be? Did you, did yeah, you watch the we're only down 30. It was bad. 
but the preseason's look, irrelevant. I mean, he's coaching a terrible team. If their starters are bad, what are their Grant, backups? He's not, he's not used to losing, and now he's losing, and it's a shock to his system. Look, sure. So he's going to have to work harder and figure out how to win. You mentioned that he leaves other places when some things get tough, and you're right. But it's after he's won there. I don't think he's ever packed up and left anywhere where he hadn't already proven that he did it and left where people say that guy's one of the best coaches I've ever been around. So I, there's no precedent for him to just get his teeth kicked in for a couple of months and say, ah, not here. And the last thing that I don't get with everyone saying he's going to USC did we think Clay Helton was going to be the coach there for the next five years? I mean, Clay Helton had been there since 2016. They blew By him the out. Way, after... I totally forgot that that was even the case. I looked at that and I was like, oh, he's been there that long? I, ridiculous. I, it felt like he'd only but, been there for a couple of years. It's ridiculous but he's Nick, there that long. They blew him out after two games. Urban Meyer's been a free agent for a couple of years doing TV and some other things. You don't think that his agent, before he went to be a head coach in the NFL, if he really wanted to be the head coach at USC so badly, you don't think they reached out and said something like, hey, how steady is the ground that Clay Helton's standing on? Urban's interested in this job. If he wanted to be the coach of USC, I really believe he would have been the coach of USC this year. He's coming back to football. Did he want to go to Jacksonville? Did he handpick the Jaguars? Did he want to go to the NFL that bad? Or did he want to be back in, in football and you know want a new challenge? That challenge could have been USC. They, they fired the guy after two games. I have a hard time believing if Urban Meyer was knocking on their door a few months ago, they wouldn't have taken that meeting. I I, I don't know, man. It just seems like media concocted to me. Tomorrow they could have a press conference where he quits and, and I'll look like an idiot. I just don't buy it. I just don't. Uh, well, I, I'm glad you have more confidence in him sticking this out than me. I, I just don't see it. But then maybe I'm the one that's going to end up looking wrong in the idiot and he sticks around for five years and seven years or whatever and they end up winning a Super Bowl. It would be better for the NFL and better for Trevor Lawrence. But we, I just I, I don't, I, I just don't feel like this has that situation where it, it doesn't feel like a match where there's a long-term build there with him but we'll see i mean maybe it's an opportunity where his competitive juices get in there and things change you got alabama also speaking to nick saban as a 14 and a half point favorite against florida today and it's just like every year every year alabama is always in the college football playoff they're always the favorite <laughs> to win the national championship i have so much respect for what nick saban has been able to do and yeah i get it he decided the nfl wasn't for him very quickly Though I do think he would have been successful. Miami was actually becoming a better team when he was there. But, I mean, what he's been able to do at Alabama is just absolutely remarkable. What's unbelievable about Alabama is today, while prepping, I looked back at that SEC title game with Florida. I think it was a 52-46 yep. final. Oh, last the barn winter. burner, Grant. Barn burner. One of the best games ever, right? 400 yards from Mac Jones. And you look at who he's throwing to, and it's like Devontae Smith. He's now in Philly and Jalen Waddle, and he's now in Miami. And you look at who he's handing the ball to, Najee Harris. He's now in Pittsburgh. Year in and year out, they're just the junior varsity for the NFL, basically. They lose three or four offensive linemen who are all playing on Sundays. They lose their top two receivers. Pretty much the only guy back who had a major role in that game offensively is Mechie out wide. And I think he caught like six balls for 60 yards or something like that as a third or fourth option. And that was only because... The Wado wasn't completely healthy, but the point is they just reload. Like they've got yeah. their second and third players on the depth chart are better than the 10th team in the country starters. It's unlike anything we've seen at this level, in my opinion, ever. And it gets more impressive every single year. Uh, that's why I've got them today beating Florida and handling that number. I think they win by 15 plus. 
Uh, I just don't like the Gators' ability to throw the ball and keep up if Alabama can make some plays on special teams. Yeah, you and I are in the same boat on that. I like the over in that game, too. I think there's going to be a lot of scoring. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I can't wait to sit down and watch that. Remember, BetQL follows us, giving you eight hours of college football scores, news coverage, and the biggest plays. BetQL keeps you updated on all of today's action. Coming up, we got a Sunday six-pack on a Saturday. Can Jimmy Garoppolo keep up his success against the spread on the road? Will Aaron Rodgers look more interested? Body language, Grant. It's all about that. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Nick Ashew. It's BetQL, and this is Countdown on BetQL. You're listening to The Countdown 2 with Grant Paulson and Nick Ashew on the BetQL Network, available on the Odyssey app and streaming on Twitch.tv.